tonight. We are lucky enough to have Steve Springer of Quality at Bats. Steve, as you know, has a lengthy resume of helping players, helping colleges, and just being a person that's a high-level mental hitting coach. Uh, Steve played in the big leagues in two different stints. Tonight, you will get to hear his entire story of where he came from, how he how he did it, and it will be a great ride for all of our kids around the country to hear what Steve has to say. Steve, welcome to Sunday Night Clinic. It's great to be here, bud. I'm, I'm glad I'm uh, on this, and hopefully I speak well and uh, try to inspire some, some kids and some coaches and players and, you know, that's what I try to do. First question for you, bud. Talk about your playing background, how it helped you become a hitter's mental coach. Well, I believe that everybody has a story, and I love my story. Uh, you know, I played in 1,591 minor league games. I had 1,592 hits. I was really glad to see that. Uh, I got two hits in each league in the big leagues. You know, it doesn't sound that great until I tell you what I was when I started. Because uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was 4'11", 90 pounds. I was the smallest kid in school. I made the team because my brother was the star of the team. I went to Marina High School in Huntington Beach. I coached first base, got three at-bats. Uh, but I'm on the team. My sophomore year, all my buddies went up to JV and varsity. And I stayed on soft rush, and I got to play some. Uh, I would rather play at a lower level than sit the bench at a higher level. Uh, my junior, all my buddies were on varsity, and I was on JV. Uh, but I got to play. I think I was even MVP of that team. Uh, if I'm if I'm on varsity, I don't. I'm not playing. I'm sitting the bench. Uh, I know that because I sat the bench my senior year. <laughs> I was five eight, 140 pounds. I grew nine inches in high school. I went from tiny to small. Uh, I'm going to show them I could play. Uh, and I had a sophomore take my job. I did not start my senior in high school. I coached first base again. And where I'm from in Huntington Beach, California, I got 50 colleges within 50 miles of me. I didn't get, I did not get one phone call to come play for. Uh, my brother went to Golden West Junior College. He was an absolute stud. He was one year older than me. He was all state, best player on the team. I'm thinking the coach knows I'm coming there. He didn't have to call me because <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> and I went out for the team uh, during the summer and I got cut. You know, which is baffling to me to this day on how bad this guy thought I sucked. I mean, my brother's the best player on the team, and I get cut. So I did what anybody would do. I got a job at Disneyland working on the canoes and uh, and not on a track. I got a little stronger. I worked on them for two years. Uh, But as soon as I got cut, three days later, my brother came home with a uniform for me because three guys quit. And so I was 19 years old, freshman in college, uh, three at-bats the whole year. And I played in the big league. So anybody out there that thinks you're too small or you've been told you're too small, don't listen to them. Because I'm telling you right now, 99% of all people, when you get your man body, you're going to be able to shrink two inches. Because it's not about being tall. It's about being a baseball player. It's about having body strength. It's about having uh, instincts to play both sides of the ball. Like, I didn't need, you know, and in saying that, I mean, I grew four inches when I was 20. And I don't think I need to grow four inches. I need to get stronger. And that working on those canoes, bro, I got stronger. Uh, so my sophomore year, I grew four inches, and now I'm getting recruited by all these colleges. Because I, I was always a really good player, but it's when I was like 9, 10, 11, 12. I was an all-star when I was 11, 12. I was in the majors when I was 9. I didn't grow an inch from the time I was 13 to 15, playing on the big fields. Uh, but now I grow four inches. I'm six foot, 170 pounds. I'm getting recruited by everybody. I got a full ride to Long Beach State, full ride to Irvine, full ride to UCLA. And my best friend, Rich Amler, I was going there. He spent nine years in the big leagues. He didn't uh, get there until he was 29 years old. You talk about grinding. Uh, he's going there. My dad's favorite school is UCLA. So I'm going to UCLA on a full ride. <laughs> and it was the greatest five days of my life until he looked at my transcripts. He's like, really, buddy? You took badminton? <laughs> Tennis? Uh, don't get me wrong. I could play some badminton. No. Uh, I beat the number three guy in the state five times in a row before he beat me. And the coach is like, come on, you got to come out for the team. I'm like, no, it's during baseball season. I can't. Uh, but I don't know how I got into the University of Utah. Uh, I took a correspondence course to get in. They got a new coach. I got a full ride. And I went there as a shortstop. And the weather was a tick different than uh, Huntington Beach, California. 
a little bit cold and I hurt my arm and hurt it pretty bad. And so I ended up DH in the whole year. And this is the best thing about baseball because whether you're in travel ball, high school, college, if you're lucky enough to play pro baseball, you're evaluated every single day that you play by somebody. And we had 50 scouts in the stands against Brigham Young. You see Rick Aguilera, Wally Joyner, and Corey Snyder. Uh, old people know who they is. Our kid, kids, if you're listening, think uh, uh, Mike Trout, uh, Harper, and, and Kershaw, because that's who these guys were. And all 15-year big leaguers, and I went five for five with a bomb, two doubles, and five RBIs that day. And I know it was the day they got me drafted. It was the very first day I played the outfield in my life. I sucked in the outfield. Paul be up in the air to be, like, bouncing. I'm like, how do you catch that? Thank God it wasn't hit to me. Uh, so I get drafted by the New York Mets in the 20th round. Scout came over, a guy named Roy Partee. I'll never forget him. I never met him. Uh, I went home to, to California. I had uh, Bobby Meyer and Harry Meyer and Dean Young would come over to sign me. And they said, Spring, we got $4,000 in a year of school. I said, can I get five? They said, no. I said, okay. Uh, so I signed, and I went out and played in Little Falls, New York, and I hit like 246 with 11 home runs. Just did okay. I wasn't used to playing every day. And anybody out there that think you want to play pro baseball, it's five at-bats a day every day whether you want them or not. And I was so tired, you know, because I never played that many days. My brother got picked up by the Tigers. I went home, and we lifted. And every other time we wanted to hit, we went and lifted. And we got a new body. And I went to my first spring training, and I, I barely made the low A ball team as the fifth outfielder. And uh, uh, throughout the first month of the season, I got like 20 at-bats. Then our second baseman got traded. And I told my coach, I said, Coach, I'm an infielder. Can I play second? I swore to he paused, looked at me, and said, well, thank God you suck in the outfield. And I'm like, I know I'm an infielder. So let me play second base, and everything's going pretty good. Eighth inning ground ball, double play, right to my legs. So that sucked. I didn't play there for about a week. A week went by. He lets me play there again, and everything's going real good. Eighth inning ground ball, double play, right to my legs again. But I got four hits that day. And anybody out there, you have to hit to play. I end up playing every single day the rest of the year. I end up leading the league in hits. I had 165 hits. I was second in the league and hitting behind Vince Coleman. He could fly. I had 50 hits in August, and I still didn't know what I was doing yet. But I just led a league in hits. They're treating me a little bit different. I go to instructional league. Uh, I go home. Me and my brother lift and bigger, stronger, faster, not taller. I go to my second spring training. I'm working out with high A ball, and I, I see my farm director there. He's like, spring, how's everything going? You have a good off season? I go, yeah. And I don't mean to be an idiot, but I just let a league enable on hits. I feel I should be in double A. And Steve Schreiber, he looked at me, paused, didn't say a word, and walked away. And I'm like, well, that went great. Uh, and it did go great because the next day I was in double A. It made sense to him. My double A team, which we had 18 guys playing the big leagues off this team. And, uh, yeah, we won it all. You know, uh, you know, Billy Bean was on the team. Uh, you know, when I usually when I speak, I go, anybody see the movie Moneyball? And everybody raised their hand. I'm like, yeah, I was in his wedding. Billy being not Brad Pitt. Uh, and, and Billy was great. He was, I mean, he was a good player. You know, he's six foot four, 220 pounds. He had power, he had speed, he could throw, he could do it all. But he had a tick of football mentality and, and being a perfectionist. And, you know, when I speak, man, I give you guys permission not to be perfect. I give you permission not to get three hits in your next game. I need you to be the best competitor on the field with an attainable goal to hit ball hard and help the team win every day that you play. So we win it all that year. Next year, I go to AAA. Three years ago, I'm coaching first base, and now I'm one step away from the big leagues. And I spent 11 years in AAA. And at the time, I'm like, really, God, 11 years, huh? And now I know why he put me in AAA for 11 years to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Because whether I'm talking to uh, the dad of a 10-year-old, a high school kid, a college kid, or a major league all-star, my message is the same. And, you know, that's pretty much my story, Butch, on how I got in my playing career. I feel blessed to say I got two hits in each league. I went right into scouting afterwards. Uh, did the little agent thing for seven years. Don't ask me why I did that. I got back into scouting, and then I was the mental coach for the Toronto Blue Jays for eight years. And then I was speaking all over the country, and then COVID hit. And, uh, you know, my wife's on full scholarship, University of Steve Springer. So <laughs> it wasn't good. So I called up Billy Bean. I'm like, bro, I need a job. He's like, dude, we're firing people right now. I said, I know, but they weren't in your wedding. <laughs> he gave me a job. So now I'm 
scouting with the Oakland A's, buddy, and uh, back in it. That's awesome, Spring. Uh, can you can you talk about uh, are great hitters born or are they made? Uh, what a great question. I believe it's a combo of both. I believe that you need to be born with a little hand-eye coordination, <laughs> you know, a little, little bit of a – hopefully your parents were athletes. You know, when I go speak, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but not everybody here is going to be in the big leagues. And don't tell me you can't get a college education out of this game. And I say, when, when you, you know, you meet a girl in college, you throw her a ball, and if she fumbles it, bro, you pass. <laughs> I'm thinking about your kids. I want your kids to be an athlete. Uh, you better marry an athlete. So I'm, I'm big on that. And my mom was a great athlete. And But do I think I was a natural hitter? No, no but it was like very coordinated hand-eye, yes. Uh, I came from a very competitive family. My mom was one of the top bowlers in the country. My dad was a spaz. You know, and he thinks we got it all from him because my brother played pro ball. My sister was the number one gymnast in California. Uh, My dad was a spaz and he thinks we got it from him. So we'll let him think that. But uh, I believe that there's definitely a a born hand-eye athlete, you know. I mean, uh, can they be made also? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you work hard and you have a good approach – you know, not every player in the big leagues is six foot four, 220 pounds with a beautiful swing. And when I teach, it's this is about being a better competitor than you are a player. Uh, there's a big difference between having a good swing and being able to hit. You know, I, I see a lot of parents in there and we're spending, you know, thousands of dollars on hitting lessons. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I'm just telling you right now, if you're, if you're just doing a mechanical hit, hitting lesson, you're serving the appetizer and you're skipping the dinner because this is about the approach the mind and mechanics in that order. I used to think it was about the, the mind, the approach and mechanics in that order. I've changed it now. This is about the approach because I don't care how confident you are and I don't care how good your swing is. If your approach sucks, you're going to lose your confidence and your mechanics are going to break down. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I truly believe that, you know, good hitters can be made, you know, with hard work and, and good coaching and, and, you know, good, uh, you know, learning from your teammates, learning from the good players, learning what, what not to do sometimes. Uh, so I think it's a combo of both. I think that the kids that have, you know, a little bit more athleticism and now they have a good uh, work ethic and they have good coaching, probably going to be a tick easier for them. Okay, Spring, let's, let's, let's talk about approach. You talk about having a better approach now than moreover uh, mindset and they all work together, obviously, because that's what you teach. Talk about approach and what is a good approach for a kid. What's got to be the mindset? Just all the things that are involved in approach. Well, I think there's a mechanical approach, and I think there's a, a mental approach. I think the mechanical approach is I was a really, really good hitter when I was thinking right center. Because I believe that you could look away and hit in. You cannot look in and hit away. You know, the guy's throwing 95, and if I'm looking middle in, he throws me in the outside, I'm going to pull a pitch that shouldn't be pulled. So that's the approach. My approach was to drive the ball to right center. But as far as mentally, I can't even tell you how into hunting speeds I am. And I think this is the second thing that screw up players, and and this is why first-rounders can't get out of A ball. It's the second thing. And the first thing is because they're having a pity party over their stats. And, and, you know, they're beating themselves up over yesterday's 0 for 4. And now they go over two today. And now in their mind, they're over six. And they're letting yesterday's bad game play today. But as far as the approach, I think way too many hitters try and hit the fastball curveball slide of change of oh oh. They're looking for everything. They're not ready for anything. Right? I'm in the hunt and speeds. If I told you here comes a fastball 100%, and you can't put a good swing on it, then go play soccer. Like we got to be able to do that. But I'm saying sometimes it's okay to sit off speed. You know, how can we hit the breaking ball machine in the cage and it turns invisible during the game? Because we know it's coming in the cage, right? So this is why I talk about watching the pitcher and see what he's throwing. And, you know, you don't have five at-bats today in pro ball or, or college ball. You have 27 minimum. And you watch that pitcher every pitch he makes. And, and I'll give you anybody in my house in Huntington Beach if there's a chemistry test in the third inning of your next game. There won't be. That pitcher's the test. Keep your eyes on the pitcher. Uh, and it's one of my, you know, it's the stupidest question you're ever going to hear, but is it easier to get one pitch when you know it's coming or three and you don't? And yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. If I told you here comes a fastball 100%, you know what that's called? It's called harder BP. That's all it is. But no, we think we got to hit the fastball curveball side of change of oh, oh. 
And you know what that is? If I'm if I'm trying to hit everything OO, you're two strike hitting the whole at bat. And I'm not into that. Dude. Clint Hurdle is one of my mentors, but he was my teammate in 1986. He was my uh, my coach 92, 93. And he said it as good as you could say it on MLB radio. It's really, really hard to hit 94 and 79 at the same time. And why would I want to? Until I get two strikes. That's my two-strike approach, right? Two-strike approach, think fastball away, up and away, about 70% in your mind, but you better have 30%, maybe even 40% that got a chance to be off speed and, and, and slow your feet down with two strikes. I, I believe that two-strike hitting is very similar to sitting off speed. If I'm sitting off speed, I'm not even going back into my load until the ball's almost out of his hand. Because I'm timing 75. I'm not, I'm not timing 94, 95. I'm timing 75, right? Everybody's like, oh, Spring, you're a guess hitter. Yes, I am, bro. <laughs> but it's, it's not flip a coin guess, tail sit fastball. No, it's educated guessing. It, it, it's anticipating. It's looking for. I've studied for the test. So let's get the definition right. Guessing, sitting on, anticipating, looking for. It's all the same word. Guess just sounds bad. If I told you, hey, you know what? I'm going to go sit on this guy's off speed. That sounds hitterish. If I said, you know what? I'm going to go guess curveball. <laughs> it just doesn't sound hitterish. Right? And, and please don't take this the wrong way, hitters out there. I always want you to sit on the fastball until it's time not to. Right? And once it's time not to, you tell me. And coaches out there, you tell me. Your three, four, five guy hits a bomb his first at bat on a fastball. And he comes up his second at bat with runners on second and third. You know, as a coach, two out of three, if not three out of four, are going to be off speed. So why am I sitting fastball? You're looking for something you're not going to get. And I, I truly believe that that's the second thing that gets hitters out more than anything. And I think the third thing that gets hitters out more than anything is pulling pitches that shouldn't be pulled. Because we all want to have a little bit of power, and we all got a little bit of pull power. And I want good hitters, man. I, if you shifted on me, I would have hit 600. It's mind-blowing how we can't beat the shift. Our ego is that big where I'm going to try and hit a home run. And when you look at the stats, I'm going to hit one home run every 30 at best if I'm, if I'm lucky. No, come on. It, it, it drives me nuts. I got, I got a runner on second and third in the big leagues with a shift on, and I can't hit a ground ball to get a run in. You know, and we're, we talk about angles, and, and, and we talk about uh, launch angles. And how about ground ball angle with runners on second and third uh, with less than two outs and hit a ground ball and get the run in. All right. Now, why, why would I want my 12-year-old to have the same launch angle as Josh Donaldson with bionic wrists? We need to, we see what we're doing. I, I believe what we're doing, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but what we're doing is we're teaching power over hitability. And we need to teach hitability. And then if you're lucky enough to play longer, you, your power might play better. And, you know, I, I'm really, really into the approach and hunting speeds. How do you hit a breaking ball? For me, you look for it. You zone up, you load late. I knew the plate was right in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get it. I've already smoked this fastball. And I'm going to zone up and I'm going to load late. In, the, in my mind, I'm bringing the plate that's right in front of me back by the catcher. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to slow my feet down. My whole goal on off speed is to take a, a fastball swing on off speed speed. I, nothing pissed me off more. Be sitting fastball, oh, oh, and you got to leak a little bit. The guy said 97, you know, if you're thinking if, it's by you. So I got to be thinking it's going to be, not if. And then I, I recognize off speed, and I've already shifted to my middle end swing, and I, and I still swing, and I put it in play, and then ground ball to shortstop, and I'm ticked off right down the line. And I wasn't even looking for the speed. Because I'm telling you right now, oh, oh, one, oh, two, one, three, one, if you can't drive it, don't swing. You know, I'm not there to just put balls in play. But I'm, I'm, when I had count leverage, 6,000 at-bats in the minor league, I was trying to hit a ball. And that doesn't mean I got big. It doesn't mean, you know, I, I was, you know, getting out of my stance. But, you know, I believe hitting is controlled violence. It's not violent violence, not controlled control. It's a controlled violent act hit of baseball. I believe hitting is slow feet, fast hands, quiet head, taking a controlled violent swing. I think the feet screw up more hitters than anything in the game. Because we all want to be Jose Batista and, and the Donaldson with the high leg kick to get a tick more power. And I'm telling you right now, players out there, the harder he throws, the slower your feet better be. The harder he throws, the slower your feet need to be. If you got your foot in the air and he's throwing a honey bow, it's by you. You know, and, and, and it, well, I, I told this to Mark Trumbo once. He called me his whole career. And I got this from girls' softball. So, girls, I got this from you on the rise ball. If you got a girl that's throwing a rise ball, 
50% of the time, you better have your hitters be looking for the rise ball because it's going to be easier for to look up in the chest and adjust to the knee high rather than look for the knee high strike. And then he or she elevates you up in the chest. And I told that to Trumbo. He's like, really? You're holding that back after seven years? <laughs> it's 48 bombs hunting a high fastball, taking a controlled, violent swing. And that's what hitting is, man. But the approach for me is the number one thing that we need to teach. I love the line, if you're serving mechanics, or if you're teaching mechanics only, you are serving the appetizer and you're skipping the dinner. Spring, let me ask you this. I This is the second time I've heard that this 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 week uh i did a seventh inning stretch um and i i heard the same thing slow feet can you talk about slow feet stan meek said it to me the other day you know the ex-scouting director of the marlins tremendous tremendous success and i'd never heard it and he, he would say that he would go to games and the guys that could always hit had slow feet so tell tell these people. I, I I just heard it this week now twice. So can you talk about slow feet? Yeah, when you have slow feet, your head's quiet. You see the ball better. It's like when the coach gives you the three zero take. You're like, man, I would have smoked that because your head's quiet. You want to you, you know this whole thing about having slow feet, fast hands, quiet head, and and taking a controlled violent swing and, and having a good heartbeat. Right. And, and you're going to be your best athlete with your heartbeat between 60 and 80 at all times. And I tell these players when I talk about breathing, the only time I want your heartbeat over 80 on a baseball field is when you hit a triple. That's it. Right. And so when I have slow feet, fast hands and a good heartbeat, you know, in my DVD, I talk about hitting between uh, four and six. If the pitcher's one, the catcher's 10, my neutral stance is five. We have to get something inside six to hit up against four. And too many hitters are going for five to two, and they and they speed their feet up. And you know, you want to make ninety-five look eighty-five. Slow your feet down. Slow your heartbeat down. You want to make ninety-five look one hundred and five. Get your feet going fast. Get your heartbeat up. It'll look one hundred and five. And I, you know, I, I just want my hitters to be in a good athletic position. And when when you, I was watching a video on Otani, and I really haven't paid too much attention right before we got on, and this guy no stride. But you know what? He's got a little weight shift. I think a little weight shift, like what I was talking about between four and six, and getting back to six is the same thing as a leg kick. But your head stays quiet, and we see the ball better. We got a good heartbeat. You know, it's like when I talk to the girls softball. I know cheering is huge, right? And and I get it. Oh, it's for rhythm. But when I talk to the University of Oregon, you know what they agreed to? The three hitters that are up that inning do not have to cheer because I want them breathing and slowing the game down. Right. You're not you're not hitting in the first reach here. I get it. But I really, really thought that they liked that because I want them, you know, having some calmness, toughness and focus and slowing everything down. And, you know, when I go speak, Butch, my whole thing, and I speak to a lot of tribal organizations in high schools, is I don't want one kid to ever play with tension, anxiety, and pressure again. I want calmness, toughness, focus, having some fun. So that's a word. Right. And, and too many kids are just playing with tension, anxiety, and pressure. And, and, and they're, they're letting yesterday's bad day beat them up today. One of my favorite lines of what I teach, and I give a wristband out uh, to everybody when I go to the speaking engagement, it says opening day every day and compete with confidence. If we could get our players playing every single day, the rest of their careers, like it's opening day, and I don't give a crap load about me. It's not about me. It's about me helping my team. Those are two completely different players and you get 20 confident players showing up like it's opening day, doesn't mean you win every game. doesn't mean you get three hits. But I promise you, you got the right players playing that day. And, and too many kids are playing with, with tension, anxiety, and pressure instead of calmness, toughness, focus, having some fun. Spring, let's talk about, uh, you know, being competitive is a huge part of your theme. Can you talk about the types of competitive you are talking about, especially in the batter's box? Well, I think we're all going to compete uh, because we have a game. But I'm telling you, if you're not competing with 100% confidence, then something is wrong mentally. And it's usually 99% of the time you're letting yesterday's bad game or last week play today. And that's where the trap of baseball is. It's where the trap of life is, is I let yesterday's bad day play today. And and, and I'm going to compete. And, and why wouldn't I compete with 100% confidence if I had a game tonight and it's the only game that counts? And you play it like it's opening day, and you're there to help your team win the game. It's not about you getting three hits. 
This is about you competing with confidence to help your team. I never minded in pro ball when I was 0 for 4, as long as we were still in the game. I hated being 0 for 4 in a blowout, and I got to punch out against the backup right fielder. <laughs> but when you compete with confidence, it's just such a good feeling. When you, and, and when you compete with confidence to help your team win is the key. You know, when we watch playoffs, when we watch the College World Series, when we watch Major League playoffs, what do we got? We got 25 confident players showing up to win the game. Do you think every team is really doing that every single day at the beginning of the year? Because I don't. I think we get too stat-oriented, and, and I believe that stats are evil. You know what stats are? They're yesterday. And I got a new game, new picture, new hero tonight, and I'm going to let yesterday's bad game play today. The only time I want yesterday to play today is when I get two hits. Because I could talk quality at bats playing blue in the face, but when I get two hits, I feel good. Right, bring that guy to the next day. But when you're 0 for 4 and 0 for 4, now in your mind you're 0 for 12, and then you go 0 for 2 tonight, now in your mind you're 0 for 10, and you're letting these last two days play today. A.J. Pollock's like my son. I, I've talked to A.J. his whole career. He got my audio when he was in the, in the Cape, and he's he gets it. He, he did the four things I talk about. Every single day, he walked up the plate with confidence, with an attainable goal to hit the ball hard. He attacked the inside part of the speed he was looking for, and he was there to help his team win every single day in the Cape. He was MVP of the Cape. And AJ, he's a better person than he is a player. Uh, he called, We've talked twice a week. Why do we talk twice a week? Once a week. Because there's something about going over four where you lose your memory. It's in our DNA. And last year, AJ shot me a text. He's like, Spring, it's been a tough two weeks, but I will line out five times tonight because that's what I tell these guys to do when they call and line out five times. Good hitters line out more. And I know what he meant, but he but he said, but what he really said was he still letting the last two weeks beat him up. And so I called him up. I said, bro, I get what you're saying, man. You just told me that you're still thinking about the last two weeks beating you up. And I got a new game, new pitcher, new hero tonight, and you're playing another six years. And he was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I will line out five times tonight. And I get a text from him after the game. He said, spring my bad. I only lined out once. He went four for five with a bomb and two doubles that night. Like, what's the alternative? Oh, it's going to be a tough three weeks, right? Because, I mean, hey, that, that pitcher's driving a Mercedes too, bro. So sometimes it's tough. And But I think sometimes we make it tougher than it is. And and when you're competing with confidence, you know, one, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, oh, I, I got to play with an even keel. Really? Why? I know why. Because that batting average is going to go up and down, up and down. But when you say, I don't care what I hit, I want 100% kill for three hours. And that doesn't mean high heartbeat. It doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, just be all amped up, like Hunter Pence. Like, there's very few Hunter Pences that can pull it off. It, you know, and he's a great player. But most of them are calmness and toughness and, and slow feet. And they slow the heartbeat down. And now all of a sudden, man, we got the right guys playing, and and it's just it's just so much more fun when you play for one game at a time. You play every day like it's opening day. Spring, you you've said it a couple times now. Controlled violence. Can you tell the young guys on this call that are the hitters here that are listening, their parents, and explain what controlled violence is? Well, when I see a when I see a player like let's say I'm going to scout, and I see the hundred pence. Uh, the Brett Lorries, the the real intense, like they're like they're pro wrestlers. It actually makes me hyperventilate in the stands. Like they affect my breathing, <laughs> and, and they can do it, and they're great. And I, I'm not on them. I think they're great players. But I'm telling you right now, most players, it's just a heartbeat. You know, I talk about when I bench press. You don't you don't go you 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 breathe in to blow out. So I would time my breathing with the pitcher. Right, I call it dance with the pitcher, and I'm the girl because he's got the ball. So I'm going to time my breathing off this guy, and right when he gets to about his release point, I'm getting my some more energy up my chest, some breathing, and then and take that controlled violent swing. It's not violent, violent. It's not controlled, control. It's controlled violence. And I'm telling you right now, when you slow your heartbeat down, and you you know you have 100 percent mentally, but the heartbeat's between 60 and 80. And I'm hunting a speed now. Oh, yeah, and I don't care about me anymore. It's about me helping my team and wanting every at-bat. Right? That, that, now now we got the right guy playing. You know, don't, don't not play in the big leagues because you were playing with tension, anxiety, and pressure. 
It's one of my lines when I speak. You want to play with tension, anxiety, and pressure? Go join the military, bro. Because that's where that's at, God bless them. We're playing baseball. Nobody's in trouble, right? Sometimes we play this game, but it's like it's a three-hour timeout. And I'm telling you right now, if there's any parents on here with kids, trust me, your kid is playing the biggest self-esteem-destroying sport in the world. I don't need my coach. I don't need my parent. I don't need my teammate to beat me up. The game's going to do it by itself. I shot a two-minute video on why kids quit at 13 years old because of the pressure that's put on them by the one who loves them the most, us parents, and, and Johnny Testosterone coach on my 10-year-old to win the Burger King Championship. And all of a sudden, the kid quits at 13 because he's like, hates the feeling of always being in trouble. And, and I get the emails from the parents. I don't know what happened. He was so good in practice. I'm, I'm like, I know what happened. You're a freaking idiot. That's what happened. <laughs> and then he quits. You know, we can't do that, man. We we need to build these kids up. When I coached my 12-year-old team with Rich Amaral, I was the bad cop. Like, Rich is like the nicest person in the world. And we would put little cute stickers on the back of their helmet if they had a quality at bat. And there was no crying. It wasn't about getting a hit anymore. It was about getting that sticker because they were 10, 11, 12. And we had the biggest spaz in the league on our team. And if he fouled the ball off, we made him feel like he was Mike Trout. And his parents loved us because nobody's ever built their son up in sports. You couldn't, but we did, right? And that and that's the whole thing, man. It's about, you know, that one little video I shot out for two minutes, it got viewed 3.4 million times in three days. It went Oprah because it's so right. These parents, I mean, and parents, let me give you guys a little tip. You are your kid's number one coach because you live with them. And I don't care what you do for a living. If I need a plumber, I ain't calling no one in Renato. I'm calling a plumber. Right? Well, if your kid wants to be a baseball player, this, this show has had so many great speakers on it. If they're selling anything, I know it's not a lot of money. Invest in it. Invest in your career because you need to know what we know. So all of a sudden, I don't care how old your kid is. Your kid could be seven. I want you at my speaking engagement because I'm talking straight to you. And, when I, and now all of a sudden, you get it. Now the kid's eight, nine, ten, eleven. We're having fun. And then I say, hey, what's spring say? Man, not a boy. We'd hit the ball hard. You hit the ball hard, you win. Coaches out there, the only stat that I want you to worry about forever for, for, the, for the rest of your coaching career is how many games in a row can you as a coach get 25 confident players showing up today? That's it. No stats. You know, everybody, oh, we got a quality at bad stat. And that's great. That's better than the bad average stat because bad average is the biggest trap in the game. I had three balls running the screws right at somebody. Baseball says I suck. That's a trap, right? Quality at bad champ. Even if, even if you have that stat, if it's a low number, the, the player's not going to feel great about himself. Even though it's a better stat than the batting average, because at least I can control it. The only stat I want you to care about is how many games in a row can you be the best competitor on the field? You know, we get a kid with the Blue Jays, we give him a million bucks, and he, he pops his first one for 20, and he's never gotten one for 20. He was in high school, he got a million bucks. And then he walks back to the dugout like somebody stole his puppy, in pout mode, and you better hope that's immaturity and not makeup. And yeah, I'd bring him in the office and I'd say, Hey, buddy, if I told you to be a 25 year old big leaguer, deal or no deal. And his initial thought is, Oh, I want to be Mike Trout, 1920. I go, Yeah, Mike Trout, Mike Trout's a freak. I said, It's okay to be a 25 year old big leaguer, 25 years old, guaranteed 10 years, deal or no deal. And they say, Yes. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. That's seven years for you to get great at learning how to be a better competitor than you are a player. That's seven years to get great at defense, great base runner, better teammate. Now we got 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. There's your 10 years, bro. That's when I retired at 34. But we all want it right now. And too many, too many, too many players and too many parents, they, they put their career, their son's career in a microwave instead of an oven. And you need to put them in an oven, bro. You need to – it's okay. Like, Vanderbilt's not panicking when your 10-year-old has a bad weekend, parents. I promise you. You know, if it was about being 10, I, I mean, I was a pretty good player at 10. It might have been better. But uh, this is about getting the right guy playing. The more and more I teach, you know, I know you've had great speakers on here, and, 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 and some of you guys are listening right now. But this is all about competing with confidence, man. And, and playing every day like it's opening. Augie Garrido gave me the best compliment I've ever had in my life. I met Augie in 2012 and never met him. Five-time national champs. I knew Tommy Nicholson. I said, hey, man, you want me to speak to your team? He said, Spring, if we go 6-0, and we don't make our conference championship. 
and the top eight teams made it. They could have won 6-0. and They missed it by a game. He said, oh, he's not going to pay you. I said, I'll do it for free, man. I want to meet Augie. Augie was like, what did he say for you, man? So I went in there, but and I could not have spoke better. This is my Millie Vanilli. I'm the same guy every time. Same speech, same joke, same everything. And I couldn't have spoke better. And I was about ready to leave, and Tommy's like, Augie oh, wants to see you again. So I go back in there, and he's like, Okay, buddy, we're going to pay you for that, and I want you in here next year for three days. He says, you're one of the best speakers I've ever heard in baseball, which was like my favorite compliment ever, because he is. And I go back there in September for three days, right? The same exact team with freshmen and not another person on it was one game away from the national championship, and they just came in ninth place the year before. Why? Because he got 25 confident players showing up every day, and I don't give a crap load about me. And every day was like opening day. He said, that's brilliant. It's his favorite line he's told me if he's ever heard a coach say, you get your players playing and I don't give a crap what about me. And you get them playing like it's opening day every single day. It's awesome. I mean, he said, that's brilliant. Kirk Sarlos was my first client. Uh, TCU head coach, better, better person than player. He's like my son. And he told me the other day, he said, we are O&O every day. And I said, that is so right, buddy. New game, new pitcher, new hero tonight. Hey, Spring, let's let's talk about this whole parent component. And, you know, we all know that have been involved in baseball that obviously the parent loves their child and they just want to see the best for them. Yeah. What What advice could you give them to hit with slow feet, to parent with slow feet and – you know, I, you, you talked about it a little bit here, but I really want you to to try to help them and to understand how important their reaction and how they act out uh, really affects their kid. Well, it does, and, and I and I don't mean to come up as holier than now either, because I got kicked out of a twelve round All Star game. <laughs> you know, they were so bad. I said, "Could you try not to be a factor in the game, please?" And he threw me out. I didn't even yell, so I get it. I mean, we all want our kid to be the next Mike Trout. So did I. My son, he was athletic. He was a little guy. And now he's like the greatest woodworker ever. If you ever need a little reclaimed wood in your house and you're in Orange County, he's the best. And he gave me my grandson and one on the way. So, you know, parents, they're focusing on you. And I made a parent audio for you. And I opened it up. What's going on, whack jobs? I mean, parents, excuse me. But I was that too. And and I just think that I love the line, you have to put your kid in an oven and not a microwave, right? And when you think he's got to be perfect today at 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 or even 14, because I, I get the emails from the parents, right? And, and I'm telling you right now, man, I return the phone call because I return every phone call. And I just try to explain to them, man, that, you know, most of the time when I speak, Butch, I'll have a parent come up to me and they'll say, okay, that was great. Now I need to go apologize to my kid. And I'm telling you right now, you do not want your kid quitting at 13 years old. And then all of a sudden, uh, four years down the road, when he's got this great body, he wants to play again. And now he just lost four years of instincts. And it's hard enough to play in the big leagues with instincts. If you don't have them, stop dreaming about playing in the big leagues. Can you do me a favor and talk about focus? You know, a lot of these kids are young. Their mind goes all over the place. They're trying to have success. They want success. Can you talk about focus in hitting? Well, it, it is focus. It's calmness, toughness, and focus, having fun. You know, and, and I truly believe, and it's girls softball and, and, and youth, that too many kids are playing with tension, anxiety, and pressure instead of calmness, toughness, and focus. And out of calmness, toughness, and focus – for me, if, you, if you're going to play at the highest level that your abilities say you be, you should, then you better have toughness. <laughs> I'm playing a game where I do everything right and go 0 for 4. I do nothing right and go 0 for 4. And now I'm supposed to compete with confidence. You better be tough. And if you're lucky enough to play pro baseball one day, like I said earlier, it's five at-bats a day every day whether you want them or not. And there's no exact science to how you are going to handle it. And when you have focus and determination, and, and I'll give you a, a story. When I was with the Blue Jays as their mental coach for eight years, Antonio Cava hired me. He said, Spring, if you have one guy, you're worth your money. I said, Tony, if I don't have 100, fire me, bro. I ain't teaching you to get your hands here, get your feet here. I'm teaching you how to compete with commons when you don't get hits. He's like, oh, that's so right. 
He said, go to AAA once, go to double if you want. Uh, get your butt down there with 17, 18-year-old kids and teach them how to compete with confidence when they're not getting hit. So that's what I did. And we had, we had uh, I, I got the Blue Jays into a quality at-bat championship. Like, you know, once a week, we were trying to make it every day was or every opening day just to help these kids get out of their own way because they're playing 30 games in a row. And we had one guy, we had three winners per team. Whoever got the most quality at-bats got a gift card. Best Buy gift card is like 25 bucks. And the kids loved it. And we had one guy go one for 20, and he won a card. How's that happen? He got one hit. He got a couple bunts down. He got a couple runners over from second to third with nobody out. And he had seven balls right on the screws right at somebody. And that guy's name was Kevin Pillar. <laughs> he's, he, he, and the next time you guys out there that players think you got hosed a little bit, this guy had a 54-game hitting streak as a junior in college and did not get drafted which is baffling to me because you, you don't luck into 54. You don't look into 20, right? There's some in 54 scouts players not having on their list. And we took him as a senior in the, in the 32nd round. And he was the second guy in his draft to get to the big league signed for a thousand bucks because he was a better competitor. And he was a player. He had my audio when he was in high school. He had me come speak to his college. He talked to coach him to, to have me come speak and, you know, the, too many players will just let their mind get in the way of their ability. And and when you could focus and when you could compete with confidence, and basically for me, you know, it's really changing what you think success is. You know, everybody says we're playing a game of failure. And and when I went out to dinner with Augie for three nights, he said it's not a game of failure. It's a game of opportunities. And who could, who could handle – who could, uh, you know, come through on, on the most opportunities to win the game? And it was brilliant, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's one of my lines, man. You say something smart, somebody give you credit once and then it's mine. Like, I can come out of the womb with what I know, man. This is why we always talk baseball and we always, you know, get in conversations. And there's so much good stuff on Twitter and, and social media. Is there some crap? Yeah. But you know what? I don't really pay attention to that, man. I'm, I'm trying to learn and I've learned from a lot of guys. And it's like I said, you say something that I like, buddy, I'm going to give you credit once, and that's mine. I did not come out of the room with what I know. Hey, talk about swagger, uh, Spring, and what, what swagger is to you. Well, I think there's a big difference between confidence and arrogance. I believe that confidence is quiet and arrogance is loud. You know, I, I, I believe that all this showboating, I don't, I'm not in. If I'm a coach, there's no way I'm pumping my chest every time I get it out in the second inning. Or the third inning. No, bro. Save it for the seventh game of the World Series. Right? Act like you've done it before. And I'm just not on the, the dig me, the dig me, the dig me. If I was playing back then, and maybe it's because I played so long, dude, I hit a home run, I'm putting my head down, man, so the guy didn't drill me my next step back. You know, you all of a sudden pimp everything, dude, you're, you're going to get drilled. And that's just not the way it is anymore. You got pitchers doing it. You got, you got hitters doing it. I would love to watch a team uh, where they, they act like they did it before. They had fun. I'm not saying don't have fun. Oh, Coach, oh, no, you're too old. I'm not old school, bro. I'm, I'm just like right school. <laughs> I want I want to do what's right. And I'm not into all the, you know, and, and everybody's posting it on media. And I don't know, man. I, 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 I want you to be, I want you to compete with confidence. And I believe that confidence is quiet and arrogance is real loud. And it's obnoxious. Spring, how uh, how much is too much? Do players need breaks from the field, from hitting? Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. I don't think major league players are coming home in uh, in October and and you know in a cage. I, I believe the body needs rest. I believe uh, in playing multiple sports. If your kids, you know, a youth, I one of my favorite times watching my son was uh, in NJB basketball. You know, the little 10-year-olds running around there. He played with my brother's kid and, and Rich's kid on the same team. They were all ball hogs. And if one kid shot, there no way the other two are passing him next time on the court. And, and my brother was like the coach, and he was like Bobby Knight, you know. He, oh, yes, uh, let them play other sports. And, and once they get into high school, every other time they want to go hit, go lift weights, go work on your defense. If you are not – and at least a tick above average defender, stop dreaming about playing in the big leagues. I'm into Trotsky and Mongero camps. If you go to one of their camps, 
invest in those because I'm telling you right now, you'll become a better defender. And like I said, I mean, you know, if, if, if you have no instinct, stop dreaming about playing the big leagues. You tell me you want to play in the big leagues. The next time you watch a, a game on TV, stop watching it like you're a fan. Watch it like you're going to get in that bat and start thinking with the pitcher. What do you think he's going to throw here? Get your buddy, get your mom, get your dad, and get a, pit, uh, a pen and paper and write F for fastball and O for off speed every pitch without cheating and looking at the catcher where he's setting up. And I guarantee you, after the second inning, you're going to get better. And this is why we need to watch the game, man. We need to study for the test. And that pitcher is the test. Spring, can you talk about, you know, a lot of kids on this this call with their parents. And can you talk about some drills that you like for hitters, you know, that help guys get better and what you would, you know, as a, as a mental coach, what would you tell kids uh, as far as drills go to make them better? You know what? I believe that the the mechanical drills i could give a kid a mechanical hitting lesson once a week for a year if he has a bad mental game and a bad approach we just wasted a year you know i was thinking about this the other night that you know we, we these parents us parents are spending 75 bucks a week minimum on a lesson and i truly believe if they would just get my my bundle for 57 dollars it comes with every mental thing that i've made and, and, and now the kids listening to it, the parents listening to it, my books in there just once. And, and I believe they're going to be better players. I believe that I can't go into a conversation Butch, without going straight to the mental side. I mean, this is why first rounders can't get out of a ball and guys not drafted, spend 10 years in the big leagues. It's because of the mind. It's because of the compete. It's because of the approach, you know, and I, and I, you know, I believe we need hand strength. Parents get your kids some grippers. You know, have them rip them off every night. We need to lift. What happens when we get stronger? Ball comes off the bat a little bit hotter. What's that create? Creates confidence. What's this game about? It's about competing with confidence. And so if I'm competing with confidence, I'll take a guy with an average swing and a great competitor over a beautiful swing and a below average competitor all day long. Not even a thought. Right? Not every guy in the big leagues has the most beautiful swing. But every most 90% of all players in the big leagues are just great, great competitors. And you would be amazed on how insecure some of them are. Be, you know, I, I, I correlate the, the, a major league baseball game like a movie premiere every night. Like if you were on the field, all the cameras and reporters and everybody just wants to be so right and politically correct and, and they want to look cool. And I'm just, dude, I don't want to look cool. I want to be tough. Right. I, I need you guys to exchange coolness for toughness. Right. And, and make it about the team. And now all of a sudden, you know, if you like your abilities and your abilities aren't showing up, it's not your abilities problem. It's what you're thinking, what you think you feel. That sounds like, like a psychologist. <laughs> I can't spell psychology. There's no starts with an S. Come on. When spring, when a kid's going bad, I mean, like really going bad. And he's searching for his confidence. He's searching for that hit. What What are things that you coach guys on to help them get through, you know, those really tough times that all players have? Well, I believe that they need to go back to, to get on the opening day mindset. I believe that, you know, I think people care too much about the wrong thing, the wrong stats. You know, have you ever, have you ever said, I don't even care anymore, and then you start hitting? And then you start hitting, you start caring again. It's a vicious cycle. I need you playing, and I don't give a crap what about me. I got a new game, new picture, new hero tonight. And this is where it needs to be coached, you know. And coaches out there, I, hey, we need our ground rules. We need our, our, our certain rules. But if you're coaching 25 guys the same way, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the best way to do it. We need to know personalities. We need, players need to know that you care before they care what you know in the first place. I heard that from Ken Revisa for the first time. I never heard it, and I wrote it down. I said, I'm going to steal that one. He's like, good, I did it from somebody. And you know, that's why you always talk. And, and so when you, you know, start you know, thinking like that, I, I don't know, man. It's just that you, you have to, you know, I, 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 think, I think the worst word in baseball, and when I cringe when I hear it, is, is oh, I'm in a slump. A slump? A slump is yesterday, bro. I got a new game, new pitcher, new hero tonight. 
You know, part of yesterday's slump, call it a funk, but don't call it a slump. You know what a slump is? It's the batting average. And the batting average is yesterday. I hit three balls right in the screws, right at 70. I beat the pitcher. The pitcher knows I beat him. Pitcher's mom knows I beat him. <laughs> My batting average goes down. I think I failed, and now the wrong me starts playing. And Butch, I nailed it 20 years ago when I called the batting average Satan. It's evil, man. I mean, I because I, I know. Because I always felt that I had to hit 300 to play in the big leagues. And now all of a sudden, I, I get three balls right in the screws, right out somebody. I'm not, no, I don't even want the fourth that bat when heroes are made. Because I made it about me. I made it about, oh, I'm hitting 280. No, I'm 277. Oh, no, I'm 272. And I started, and, and, and you're letting that dictate how you feel? It's the biggest trap out there. What do you, uh, let's talk a little bit about analytics. And, you know, what, what, what's your take on this whole analytics, uh, you know, generation right now? And can you tell these kids what analytics are important? Well, I'm sure that there, some of them are important. I just don't think it's in the one hole. And some analytic people have it in the one, two, and three hole. And if analytics were the all end of everything and the greatest thing in the world, then why isn't every team great? Because they all got the same numbers. They all got the same computer. It still comes down to, to the old baseball guy with a, like you and, and get that have seen it and touched it and felt it and have a database of what it looks like, you know, and, and I, you know, for me, analytics are another, another thing to make me feel like I suck. Like I'm not good enough. Really? That's not a hard hit ball. <laughs> it makes no sense. Buddy. It makes no sense. And I, and I get it. I'm sure there's some, and I'm ignorant on it at times. I'm sure. But I, I still believe in, in good scouting and good coaching and, and, and mental coaching and, I believe that every coach is a mental coach. You know, all my coaches, man, they taught me some mental stuff. I mean, it's not just about swing mechanics. And, and, and coaches out there, trust me, man, be positive with your players, man. Yeah, I, I, I love the line that you players need to know that you care before they care what you know. You build them up, you break them down and coach them, you build them back up again. That's how you coach. If you're breaking somebody down, breaking somebody down, trust me, the player doesn't like you. <laughs> and it, it shouldn't be, it doesn't have to be that way and i'm not saying everybody you know i've been in pro baseball for 40 years you know how many idiots i've met where i wouldn't pick up with their hitchhiking maybe five everybody's a pretty good guy in baseball it's softball but you know we, we have to we have to coach uh with some love man i and i don't mean that no wash you know i just feel that man I felt I could tell 100 Blue Jays to go stand in the corner. They would have did it because they knew every word out of my mouth was trying to help them be a big winner and a good person. Spring, can you talk about, you know, there's a lot of kids are lungers. And how do you help kids getting from lunging, body rhythm, into timing to hit? Well, and that's part of slowing your feet down, but because I was a lunger. You know, I was a five to two guy for a long time. And I played with a guy named Chuck Jackson. And this guy started with a stiff front leg and he just got a little weight back into that six hole. Like we talked about between four and six and he never got out over his front foot because it started stiff. And, you know, I'm going to try that. And I'm telling you immediately from that bout number one, I saw the ball better because my head was quiet and I still hit up against that firm front side. And I, in my mind, dude, I, I'm swinging. I, dude, I was like Jose Springer, man. I was like, I, I was hacking. I walk like 26, 26 times a, uh, a year, you know, and it's just like I, I truly believe that you better be thinking it's going to be my pitch and not if. I, I want to take the if out of my swing, especially when I'm hunting speeds. And, and I, I feel that, you know, when you start talking about slow feet, you know, you don't want to be jumping out to your front foot. And when you, when you work on your breathing and you got a good heartbeat and we got a quiet head, I don't know. It's 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 going to be uh, it's going to be better. But the, my whole thing in this last hour, but and if there's players on there, is I do not want you to play one game the rest of your life with tension, anxiety, and pressure. This is not a three hour timeout. Nobody's in trouble. It's mind blowing how you don't get hits for a week or so, and you're it's like you're in trouble. Your dad's mad. Your mom's mad. You're walking around school in pout mode. And, and let me get another thing to uh, uh, players out there: don't pout. I don't care if you get pissed, bro. Don't pout. 
how long do I get mad for is the question. And for me, it's one hitter. Because uh, if you're pouting, I'm not saying you're soft, but it sure does look soft. <laughs> Spring, can you can you talk about with everybody, because you've said it a couple times now, this numbering system you had, like you just said, 5-2, uh, you know, can you, can you explain that to everybody so everybody understands what that is? Well, it's as mechanically as I get. Like, I, I'm not a big mechanics guy. I, if I would, I probably would have made a better hitter. Uh, if, if, in your mind, the pitcher's one, the catcher's ten, I'm five, right? And so I, I got my stance right in the middle, and right when he gets at his release point, I have to get something back towards six on my right leg as a right-handed hitter and hit up against four and staying in between my knees, right? And if you leave your posture, it's not a strike. So stay in your stance, learn the strike zone and, and, and hunt speeds. And, and like I said, I'm a huge believer in attacking the inside part of the baseball. There's a big difference between staying inside the ball and attacking the inside part of the baseball. And you got to be careful when you talk about that because, you know, we've all heard the analogy, stay inside the ball. Well, I'm inside the ball when I'm in the box, bro. He ain't throwing it behind me for a strike. I'm talking about actually attacking the inside part of the baseball. And that doesn't mean I want you to hit an inside pitch to right field if you're right hand. I want you to bomb the left center, but the contact points out in front of the plate about a foot. If the ball's right down the middle, it comes back about six inches. If it's ball away, it's probably in the front part of the plate. It's not back by the catcher's glove. You'll smoke your mom over the first base dugout. It's, it's right on the front part and attacking that inside part of the ball. And when you guys get power, and you miss balls and they'll go out. And not every home run goes 450 feet. Like 330 works on a 320 line and you miss it. And so it's just, it's a, it goes back to the slow feet, fast hands and, and taking a controlled violent swing and competing with confidence and having fun and playing every day like it's opening day and getting 25 confident players doing that. I spoke, Butch, I spoke one time to the University of Notre Dame, I don't know, 15 years ago now. And they set me up a, a gig that night and the girls softball team shows up in uniform. And I'm like, all right, hit and sit. And I've never talked to girls and they bought in, they got my audio CD and the word batting average was not said the whole year. And they led the nation in hitting that year. And they had a full on quality at bat chart. They were high five and line outs, you know, high five and, you know, good effort and, and competing with confidence. And having fun, man. I, I, I just, I, I see so many kids that I know that there's there's playing with tension, anxiety, and pressure. You can see it. And then you got the parents screaming and yelling, and, and then we got fist fights and youth balls, and we're like, really? I don't know, man. It's, uh, I believe it's right, man. I love doing what I'm doing. Check this out. It came, out, it came around full circle last weekend. I was in, you know, I'm scouting with Oakland now, and I had a, a school in Utah ask me if I would speak at their opening banquet. I'm like, yeah, so my boss let me go. Same thing I'm talking about tonight and spoke well. And they loved it. I get home the next day. The, the scout only missed one day. And Wally Joyner calls me up and he says, bro, my daughter and my grandson were in the audience. They said it was phenomenal. And it was so cool because it sort of came back full circle. I got drafted because there was 50 guys there to see him and Rick Aguilar and Corey Snyder. And now I'm helping his grandson. He was like a freshman. He says he's a stud and I believe it. So that was pretty cool. That's really cool. Hey, Spring, um, we're down to, to the end here. I don't want to go yet. It, <laughs> I love you, man. Uh, can you talk? I mean, is there something that we didn't cover that you think is really important for players and parents to hear? You know what? The, the, the game is called baseball. It's not called hitting in the cage every every night for two hours. Learn how to play the game. Learn how to be a good defender. What happens when you're a good defender? It gives you bad extra opportunities to catch up. Right? Kevin Pillar, as good as he was in, in the minor leagues, your second night in his draft in the big leagues, the big league's a little different, you know, different game. He had under 200 his first three call-ups. Why do you get the fourth? Because he's a gold glove center fielder. And so if we could uh, train our players to – you know, played long toss with my boy Alan Jager, and I played long toss. That was the one tool that I had I could throw because if you can play long toss, if you can't play long toss, uh, your arm's not in shape. When you play long toss, you are building bullets. You are not losing them. 
I have a full-on pitching audio CD, uh, you know, just talking from a, uh, you know, the point of a hitter. You know, why do I think I could talk pitching? Well, I faced you 6,000 times. I played beh behind you in 1,600 games, and I've been scouting you for 30 years. And so, you know, I don't think we have enough time to go into pitching, but it's in my audio. I can't – and I don't – I'm not begging. I'm just telling you right now, skip one hitting lesson mechanically. Get my bundle, coupon code SPRINGTIME. You'll get everything that I made. See, we give ourselves too much credit to remember what we're taught. This is the best thing I would have did is I put what I know on audio CD 20 years ago. I didn't even know what I had. I was an agent. I just knew that I had one with Tommy McCraw. And this guy changed my life. And then, you know, he'd come in for three days as a road and hitting coach. And I loved him. He had me confident. We started talking about pros sitting on speeds. And he'd come in for three days a month. And I'd carry it for three days. But because I'm an idiot, I'd forget. But as dumb as I was, I was realizing that guy was running, I was good. And I went up to his room with the tape recorder. And for 20 minutes, he talked about me and what I need to do to play in the big leagues and change my life. It's like Billy Bean's quote on my website. He's like, Spring, if you knew this at 18 instead of learning at 30, people might know who you are. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> you, no, you, you, I mean, look, I was going to sell your, your bundle of mental, mental hitting and mechanics training course, but you haven't given me a chance. So. Oh, sorry about it. <laughs> well, that, that's the, that, I, I believe that would be the best hitting lesson uh, that a parent and a kid's going to have and a coach and staff and, you know, people out there that, that are coaching then, I mean, I'm doing Zooms with organizations and stuff, so I love that. And I don't know about you. I, I, I believe we covered it, buddy. I mean, I mean, parents, you know, our kids out there, uh, you know, you, you know how much your parents love you? <laughs> your moms, bro, your moms are gold, right? Do not disrespect your moms. I don't care about your dad, your moms. <laughs> so, no, that spring this is it's unbelievable stuff and i would tell the people that are are listening also if i can get my nickels worth in here you know it, it is it's funny how you can get this whole bundle that you can use every day and it, all it is is giving up one lesson just one lesson <laughs> uh and uh you know to help a player's mental game i, th I think it's uh, a must and you know steve has spoken to so many players and helped so many players it's not every day that the AJ Pollocks and these guys are calling a certain guy to to talk to him and and knows knows his language and it's it's incredible to me. My last question for you tonight, and I want to tell you before we get off here, I appreciate your time. You're total professional. Respect your scouting, and it is such an honor to have you on this show with us. If you could give the families on here, I ask. Every, every person I talk to, I, I ask them the same question. If you could give a player and a family advice that will help their career and process, what would that advice be? It would be to give your kid permission not to be perfect. Perfect's a bad word, man. One perfect Jesus Christ, that's it. Right? How do you get labeled a great player when it's all said and done? You don't be, you don't be perfect every day. You try to be good every day, and at the end of your career, oh, he's a great player. And, and whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, if you, if your kid does not have a great mental game and I mean a great mental game, then stop dreaming about playing the big leagues because it's not going to happen. I don't care how good your tools are because if this thing wasn't mental, then every first round pitch should spend 10 years in the big leagues and they don't, you know, and, and when we think like that and, and, and please, what you don't want is your kid to quit before he's 13 years old. Right. And now all of a sudden he doesn't need to go to college because I'm telling you right now, the most important thing that I say when I go speak is get good grades and let your ability dictate where you can go to school. There's so many colleges out there that, you know, I don't care if it's D1, 2, 3, NAIA, JC, one for JC baseball, but I don't have my life right now. Uh, go somewhere where you could play. And that that's the key right there. Go where you could play, not, not go where you could sit. Sometimes you're going to have to sit. Right. How do you handle not playing? Not playing sucks. Here's how you handle not playing. Right? You take batting practice like it's your game. If you're an infield, you take ground balls during batting practice like it's your game. If you're an outfield, you take fly balls during batting practice like it's your game. And you pull up your buddies to win the game, and you'd be ready when that coach calls your name because he will call your name, and you better be ready. And, and now, okay. I mean, when, when you break this whole thing down, but 
I was 4'11", 90 pounds, freshman in high school, three at bounce, senior, 5'8", a buck 40. I don't start. I get cut in college. I played in the big leagues. Now All-Stars call me. You know, I told you a little early, but I got a movie coming out. Hey, we're going baseball version of Rudy. I signed the contract two weeks ago. You guys better go see that. It's called Springtime. And if you get my bundle, the, the book's in there. and It's based off the book and trying to inspire millions of kids that you're not too small. And negative people suck. And to get good grades and treat people right. Unbelievable, Spring. Thank you so much for tonight. No, you're welcome, buddy. Thank you. And I uh, wish you the best of luck throughout this whole thing. And I got to get you on seventh inning stretch. I think you'd be awesome. Well, it's going to be the same thing because I am Millie Vanilli, bro. But <laughs> all right. we might get a new audience. <laughs> we we want Millie Vanilli in our in our library. So, guys. Uh, Thank you to Steve Springer. Thank you for all being on tonight. Next week, Sunday Clinic is Brian Price, the ex-MLB coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Lou Pinella's right-hand man is a pitching coach, and now with the San Diego Padres. He will be a great guest, and I would ask you to please come and listen to him. I also want to mention our new Masters of Baseball website. It's called themastersofbaseball.com. It has a membership areas. It has a, a place that's for all of our podcasts, our blogs that are going to be part of newsletter, and just certain things that we're going to do and focus on. And mental performance is also one of the areas that we have with Brian Taylor. So I would encourage you to go take a look at it. I appreciate you all being on and I look forward to you guys having a great week, keeping it positive. We love our kids. We've got to do everything we can to help them in their uh, process and their walk through this baseball environment. But everybody, thanks again for being here. Next Sunday, Brian Price.